0: If you've ever wanted to win the real game of Monopoly, you're going to love this upcoming episode. Let's go!
1: Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate
0: investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So hope you're having yourself a wonderful day and got a very special uh, episode here for you. I know uh, I know, many of you probably don't care, but I know some of you have literally follow every episode along the way. And I was talking about, uh, you know, coming out with the, the year in review from 2023. And then I was kind of reflecting back upon it as I was just kind of getting my notes and getting my thought process together. And I think the last couple of years I've been actually, I bring it out on my birthday and that's at the end of January. So I have um, pulled up the old spreadsheet here and the year in review for 2023, maybe we'll just call it the last 12 months from birthday to birthday, will be coming out at that time. It's 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 one of those ones is when you start going back and reflect upon it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you have to condense it down into something that's meaningful for people that are going to be listening as opposed to just rambling on and 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 on. on. You get my point. But that will be coming out. Okay, so with this episode, I have, um, which is, once again, going back to the old spreadsheet, this is episode 186. So the 2024 year is kicking into high gear. It's gone full gangbusters and had a great opportunity to connect with a real estate investor out of Saskatoon. Mr. Chris Smith. And Chris and I, it was one of those ones uh, that this is um, very much of a conversation um, episode where Chris and I, just two colleagues, just sat down, turned on the camera and turned on the microphone, and we just had a conversation. It was not an interview. It was not any of that kind of stuff. It was just two colleagues um, literally sharing notes. So you have the opportunity to truly look over our shoulders and listen in to a conversation amongst two people that are moving in the, in the marketplace that are taking some serious action, going down a particular path. and you will hear what the path is that we're going down. And I just really wanted to um, I wanted to hear from Chris. I wanted to learn from him. I wanted to have a conversation. And that's one of the things I just absolutely love about putting this podcast together is I get the incredible opportunity to connect with the movers and shakers. I get the incredible opportunity to connect with thought leaders and amazing people producing unbelievable results and bottom line, just winning. You know, just winning at real estate, winning at life, and just being a winner in everything they do. And that's what I would in- encourage you to listen to this episode with myself and Chris. Now, one of the things in there is as I was kind of reflecting upon the conversation, it got reminded me about the whole thing about playing Monopoly. I loved playing Monopoly when I was growing up. I just absolutely just loved it. I don't know about you, but I have a feeling most real estate investors probably enjoyed playing Monopoly. You know, the whole thing about, you know, buying the real estate and putting up the 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 greenhouses and then the red hotels and stuff like that. And 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 um that's part of what Chris and I talked a lot about is maybe we didn't specifically talk about, but that's one of the things he was he's doing is he's buying entire city blocks and he's buying entire large chunks of uh, developable land and building things out and working with builders and developers that are cornering uh, parts of the Monopoly board and things like that. So it's a really cool opportunity to look into this. And it's very similar to what I'm doing uh, or what I'm attempting to do every single day in real life is play, the, uh, play a real game of real life Monopoly. Now, if any of you are interested in winning, if any of you are interested in getting that slight edge, um, the game of Monopoly, if you think about it, has a lot to do with luck. It truly does. And I'm a firm believer in, you know, the more you play, the harder you work, the more you lean into it, the greater insight, the more work you put into it, the more nuance you learn from it, the more you play the game, the harder you learn it. I guess you don't hard learn something. Yeah, hard learn by losing lots, I guess. But really, Monopoly does come down to a game of um, numbers. It comes down to really a game of math and fundamentals. There's really no special magical cards about it. So if any of you are interested in learning how, if you want to play, if you want to learn how to win, and you want to learn how to win at Monopoly. I've actually just putting out a blog post and an email that's coming out, and where I share truly. If you follow what I'm outlined in that um, email note, you will win Monopoly, the game, the board game. And if you actually transpose it from there into um, real life, you will win the real life game of Monopoly as well. But really, um, and I'll give you—I won't leave you hanging here. I'll give you a little quick synopsis. So really in Monopoly, in my personal opinion, no different than what I believe in real estate, it comes down to the three fundamentals that I firmly believe. What you buy, where you buy, and who you rent to. It really does. You want only good value properties. You want only properties that people are going to land on, and you want to have high, top-quality customers, equity-building clients that rent from you. In my personal opinion, one of the things you might want to do is focus specifically on the tenant profile the customers focus on the customers first well, where do they want to live what type of property they want to buy and then you will have a good full, um a good winning formula but here's the thing in monopoly um, studies have been shown the board game monopoly studies have been shown the most landed on squares other than, you know, the free parking and the get out of jail, the the jail, things like that. The most landed squares on it is the, the corner down around free parking. So if you can pull up a picture of the monopoly board, there's the free parking that is kitty corner, the straight opposite end from the um go ghost part and the most landed on properties that you can own is the red and yellow um squares down at the end the corner from st james place all the way over to illinois avenue those squares are the ones that you can own and they are six of the top Ten most landed on properties. Now, if you actually extend it out a little bit even further to Pennsylvania Railroad and the B and O Railroad, those two are in the top ten as well. So, if you own the corner from Pennsylvania Railroad to B and O Railroad, if you own all those properties in that corner, you will have eight of the top ten. Uh, most landed on properties. You think about it. If somebody comes to that, you know, the thimble comes, boom, 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 thimble comes around. And in order for them to get past that corner, they have to to roll like a a three, a, a, a nine or a 12. There's only three possible combinations that they won't land on one of your squares. Now, if you start owning that corner of that monopoly board and you start then putting on the houses, you build up the houses, you get lots of people landing on it. Then you start building up the um the hotels on there it is inevitable if you control that corner now could there be a a black swan or could there be something that comes out of this that doesn't make this 100% guaranteed absolutely but if you own eight of the top 10 most landed on squares that you can own Um, success and winning is literally a game of math and probability. It truly is. Now, if you build it, they will come. So gang, I encourage you to take a look at how to win the game of Monopoly, the board game, and how you can translate all those skills from the board game into real life, how you can then take and you can own a corner of an entire property that people want to live, a highly desirable neighborhood, some place that people want to land on, some people that want to be a client, a customer, tracks good tenants, and you build good properties in those areas, you too will win the game of real estate. Okay, game? Hope you enjoyed that. You will thoroughly love this episode because I just, I was, after I was done and had this conversation, I was just on fire. I needed to get back out, (laughs) hit the ground running because you know what? Uh, You know, I'm not just a a, a pretty face and not just a podcaster and a YouTuber. I actually buy a few places. I actually am a real estate investor. First and foremost, I invest in real estate. And after I had this conversation with Chris, I was so fired up to get out there. I had to instantly get on, get on the horn and give a call to my realtor. And uh, you know what? We need to find some more opportunities. Now, speaking of all that, um, stick around right to the very end. I got a little message for you at the very end as well about some of the next things that are upcoming on the podcast. But in the meantime, please help me welcome Mr. Chris Smith. Hey, Chris Smith. Welcome to the show today. How you doing, brother?
1: I'm doing fantastic, Russell. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, truly an honor to be on your show.
0: Uh, well, I know we're going to do a, a cardinal sin right off the bat of recording something that should be evergreen, but uh, we're recording this in in January of 2024. And you're out in the beautiful home country of. You're in Saskatoon, is that correct?
1: Yeah, just outside, but yeah. we're Saskatoon.
0: Is it is it cold enough there for you?
1: Some would say, yeah. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was minus thirty this morning, about minus forty with the wind. So we finally hit our stereotypical Saskatchewan winter.
0: Yeah. So how are those heat pumps keeping up out there?
1: <laughs> just barely,
0: <laughs> if at all. If at all.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah.
0: However, it's been a it's been a quite an amazing. Uh, amazing winter this year. Like we were building some projects in Edmonton and you're building in Saskatoon. And we, our build team literally was punching holes in the ground and pouring concrete in between Christmas and New Year's, which is unheard of.
1: It's nuts. Yeah. And we had a few people, um, builders that were, you know, in talks with continually and they had projects they had planned to put off. And now they're wishing they would have took the opportunity to get them pushed ahead because as it stands right now with the cold snap we've had, they're likely to have to wait now for a few months to get started.
0: Yeah. Well, we had some projects that we had scheduled out that would complete in, um, between March and July of this coming year of 2024. Um, our builder just came back with an update to everybody and says, okay, the one in March we're, we're ready to go February 20th and we're just going, ah, okay. And then the (laughs) ones in, in June and July, you know, we potentially can come up six weeks and, and, how often do you hear that is where a builder is actually coming ahead of schedule in many respects. Next,
1: next to never. Absolutely. Yep. That, that summertime one is um, that's very handy timing for leasing up a new property.
0: Yep. Well, we're, we're very excited about, uh, we've been, we've been very uh, diligent on doing the build and everything's been constructing. And now we're just kind of, we're at the point where tenants are going to start signing leases and tenants are going to start moving in and all these pro formas and all these, um, you know, the the projections and all this kind of stuff that we've been doing for the past year, no different than what you're doing, um, are going to come to real to fruition. But one mm-hmm. of the cool things is I've seen over the past year is actually our numbers have gotten better. Over the past year, rents have gone up. You know, some expenses, insurance, is one has gone way up as well. But by mm-hmm. and large, um, the numbers have actually gotten better than when we first did the analysis a year ago on things.
1: Yeah, it's exciting, though, like you say, when you see... All the hard work and the numbers and the due diligence and all of the behind the scenes work sort of come into life. Your idea turns to something real, and it's really neat to to watch it take shape
0: yeah and i and I know I'm not going to get any sympathy when I have this next comment that I'm about to make is because many of the women that give have given birth to beautiful children will will laugh at me when I say this, but it's almost like giving birth to a child of bringing <laughs> bringing a house across the goal line, if you will.
1: Yeah, sure. You and I can say that anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I, I've I've chuckled many, many a time, and your wife would probably agree with me too. Is that if it was up to men to give birth to, to childbirth uh, in this uh, in our day and age, which may be a hot topic, I don't know. I we'll we'll save that for another day. If it was up to men to give birth, our species would have died a long, long time ago.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, we would have tried to hire it out anyway.
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> or tried to hire it out or there would have been no, there'd be no complications because the men would have solved it. They would have science, <laughs> science, yeah. you know, what out of it that there would have never had to been ever childbirth. There'd be no pain. There'd be no nothing. There'd be none of that kind of thing. Right. There you go. Um, all right. Well, we can talk uh, weather and, you know, we've, we, we're we we're, we're Canadian, right? So we, we've we covered uh, the weather, we've covered real estate, we've covered, you know, some partially family. All we need to do is talk about hockey a little bit and we can really, you know, drop the mic and go home. So are you a hockey fan?
1: I am, but I'll, prefer, uh, I'll be honest, uh, since I've got a lot of other interests now, too. So hockey's taking a bit of a backseat. I don't know much about what's going on with it. So I guess maybe they'll fire me and I'll have to leave the prairies at some point here.
0: (laughs) You'll have to turn in your Saskatchewan card and, and uh, that's right. You'll have to leave your, your Pilsner hat and your watermelon at the border and and you won't be able to wear a Rough Rider hat anymore. No,
1: that's right. And they'll Mm -hmm. chase me out with a hay wagon and won't let me back in. (laughs)
0: That's right. Well, one of the things I most enjoy about putting on this podcast, and I mentioned this to you earlier, Chris was, um, Just getting an opportunity to just sit down and, you know, turn off our phones and just have an uninterrupted hour, hour and a half, maybe even two hours plus conversation with somebody really cool that's doing things and uh, just connecting with somebody maybe you hadn't had a chance to connect with. Um, you and I have communicated a little bit over. We had, one, I think, one Zoom call. We had some emails back and forth and stuff, and I've just been watching from afar. I'm a fan of what you do. I'm a fan of who you're showing up as. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. And I just said, you know what? I just want to have a conversation with Chris. I think he's, I think he's got a lot to offer, and I'm looking forward to hearing some of your story as well.
1: well I appreciate that, Russell. That's kind words. Um, I know you and I spoke a few years ago, very early at the start of when, um, real estate started to become something more serious for me and we've sort of probably run some parallel paths since then and i really appreciate your commentary on that
0: oh well that's comes from the heart and i only tell the, i only tell my truth okay um but with that being said just you know some of the people you know a name of like chris smith that can't be any more any more you know than you know plain jane if you will chris smith is <laughs> a canadian gaia I'd I'd be very interested in hearing some of the backstory and where you where you got started and what you're all about and what's led you up to this place that you are in your life right now. Sure, I mean you know
1: I'm 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 like you I'm a farm kid from Saskatchewan. I grew up in a small town near a small town that's got about 300 people. Um, Stereotypical path, you know. I left. I got into trade school. I became a heavy duty mechanic. Um, Through that process, I got exposed to some opportunities in in leadership and. At that time, I became interested in personal development too. And so I really took a shine to just improving myself and seeing where it took me. Um, one thing led to another. Uh, I was working away at a mine site and I decided to buy a house, um, needed somewhere to live. And there was these things that people had called basement suites. And I thought, well, that's a neat concept. Somebody else can be at home when I'm not there and they'll pay me a little bit of money to do it. And so I put my 5% down as a first-time home buyer on a... On a modified by level in Saskatoon. And my dad and I being handy, we built a basement suite and we built it to be everything I didn't ever have living in a basement suite as a young single guy. And I rented that suite out and it was never vacant. It rented very well. Um, I went with my wife short time after that. She owned a house, had a nonconforming basement suite, moved in with me and all of a sudden we we're a landlord of three units. So, so all of a sudden we had some exposure to more of what the power of real estate could be, I guess. And from there, uh, we moved out of our current, or the house we had to the house we're in currently now on the acreage and then had four units. So we rented those for a while. Um, I began studying about the same time you and I started talking about multifamily, about different opportunities in real estate. And it really took a couple of years of diving into that sort of world and taking action, but kind of always receding to finally, eventually um, going all in. And we sold those two houses, um, took advantage of a market opportunity, really pulled some equity out, and then started to transition into bigger projects, which is some of the stuff we're working on now that, that you've seen and that we'll talk more about, I'm sure here.
0: Yeah. So, so really, um, and I, I think you're being really modest as well about some of the things you're doing too, and we'll unpack a lot more. Um, But really, Simple answer is you kind of organically just went into it. You went or organically went into, got one, hey, that worked. And you applied some of your skills. Hey, that worked and moved out and hey, that worked. And then you did the, the union between you and and, mm-hmm. and, and and future wife. And and then, you know, we just decide not to sell anything. And then you just just slowly just started working out from there this type of thing.
1: That's it. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's, it's collected from that. Uh, created a realization of what's possible, I guess. And now it's a lot more defined as far as what our path is. And I think that's, I think that happens for a lot of people, you know, it starts, you stumble into it almost by accident in some cases, which was the case for me more or less. And, and even with that, you can grow it into something that's really awesome, really powerful.
0: Yeah. And, uh, so your background a little bit more, a little deeper, a little going back a little further, young Chris, if you will. So you mind, mind me asking how old you are? This is I'm
1: started.
0: thirty-seven. Thirty no, you're still a pup. Still a little pup there, my friend.
1: Getting a couple of grays, uh, yeah, too. Yeah,
0: yeah. Just wait till you get to my stage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I call I, I call it's wisdom. It's 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 a color of of hair color from L'Oreal called wisdom.
1: <laughs> I like it.
0: Um so back in the day you, you grew up in small town Saskatchewan, typical That's right. typical small school type of a thing what what was kind of the mm-hmm. upbringing like for you then
1: um i mean we i guess it depends how far back you go when i was young young like in 10 9 8 9 10 years old we'd ride around like hooligans on our bikes around town getting into trouble and and after that moved out to the farm and and it was you know spending time with a, a 22 rifle in my hands exploring the creek in the the woods behind the house and and really just exposed to a really humble lifestyle honestly it was it was a good upbringing i never wanted for anything but we never had extravagance or i didn't really know anything outside of those outside of that lifestyle i'm struggling for a way to put context to it but it was really really just a humble upbringing
0: yeah it's it's funny when people ask me the same thing as how do you describe we just lived we just lived life and our experience mm-hmm. was going outside and living our experience mm-hmm. was in the spring when the thaw happened and you had big giant puddles and they're almost lakes have a come outside thing. And you built rafts and you had to have bread bags in your rubber boots. And you just went out and you went frogging and you just, you just lived life like a simpler way of putting I don't know how to explain it other than we just, we just, there was no video games or no jumping on uh, uh, iPads or something. We just went outside and when it was time for dinner, mom opened the door and said, Russell, Chris, time for dinner. And you just come home and you have dinner. of
1: thing yeah exactly very very similar i mean we had two quarter sections together that um all in all created a mile of ground along a creek bed that i had free reign over to roam as i please and there wasn't a lot of traffic or anybody around to worry about so it was i don't know i thought it was safe mom probably had a few panic attacks with me out past dark all that kind of stuff but it really was a, a neat way to grow up compared to i think what a lot of people get to do um nothing's better or worse than another but there's not a lot of people that have that opportunity anymore i think yeah
0: well it's funny and i was just i had a conversation with somebody the other day so now i live in a suburb of vancouver in coquitlam big city big city things there's you know, some some challenges that are happening there's been some gangs shootings and murders and all that kind of stuff and my lovely wife looked at me and says you know we should russell you you have a terrible habit of not locking the door and um and I go, yeah, I do. I go, because I grew up all my life of never being, never locking the door. And I actually thought back to it. And I actually talked to my mom and dad. I never had a key to our family house because we never locked the door. And mm. I remember when I first had to move to, the, to a real city, it was such a hard habit to break is to actually leave the house and have to actually lock a door.
1: <laughs> I, I never really thought of that. I didn't have a key growing up either. Yeah. I knew where we had one on the farm where it was hidden, but I never had one.
0: Yeah. So yeah, and we, uh, it's funny how I got talking about that conversation is because I just got locked out of the house when I went for my walk. And then I came back and I go, well, I got to change my system a little bit. I had to hide a key <laughs> outside on the property somewhere with a little le- uh, magnetic key holder and stuff like that. So just a simple way, simple way of life.
1: Yeah, it really was. It, it was. And it, it was a good thing. It built a strong foundation, built a lot of character, uh, learned to work hard young too. I mean, I grew up on the farm. I learned to drive when I was 14. I started hauling grain at that time. And, and yeah, just, just learned a lot of work ethic through that.
0: Wow. Learned, started driving at 14. You were, you were slow. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly.
0: <laughs> it's honestly, it's like many a time I could, you know, I could tell a story as many of the time with, you know, jumping out on going in the back roads with the 22 in the back in the back window and, and, uh, dads out there we're going to we're going to go shoot some gophers right and stuff and you know had to stop at the burr hotel on the way by and stuff like yeah a a different a different way and and everybody's probably listening going holy moly listen to these rednecks talking and talking the good old days here yeah if only they had that much fun though i agree i agree um okay so Fast forward a little bit, um, when you and I had a conversation and I, and I'm interested to know as well is when we had a conversation, you Mm. were, you, how we first connected where you were listening to the podcast and you were driving from just South of Saskatoon and you're driving up to, I believe it was Northern Alberta and you had that long stretch and you're listening to the podcast and then we connected. Are you still, are you still working in the mining and are you still, um, are you still, um, making that truck every week or two? No, I'm not.
1: And I haven't been for about a year now Um, that again, like we talked about, there was, we were looking for a means to an end at that time. Um, It was a good choice to have gone up there, but I started to have a young family and we're really looking for a way to get me home to my wife and I being we um, really looking for at real estate to start to build that bridge. And looking back now, I realized part of what inhibited our initial growth in real estate was actually because of the energy we were approaching it with. Uh, we were working at getting away from something instead of finding something to go toward. And real estate still did help build that bridge. Um, I'm in sales now. I have a commission-based sales role that offers a lot of flexibility in my lifestyle. I mean, I'm here in the afternoon speaking with you, and uh, it allows me to conduct our real estate business really well. But once I got into that and I started really enjoying what I was doing more, our our real estate took off faster. And it's really interesting how that stuff works. Um, when you change your attitude, your environment changes. And when your environment changes, the opportunities change too. So it kind of all came in succession, but sorry to, I kind of diverged a bit from your initial no, that question.
0: Great answer, by the way, I was just about to unpack a little bit more on that. So, so really it started with, you held yourself to a higher standard, really, mm-hmm. you changed your environment you mm-hmm. made a decision and you invested into yourself and invested into a skill set meaning learning sales and invested into a lot of things like i have conversations a lot i with people that have the exact same thing is we're trying to figure out how i can be home more often how i don't have mm-hmm. to be traveling how i don't have to be there but it's it's a difficult transition in some cases mm-hmm. it's um you know you know, the, the whole thing about how do we support our lifestyle? How do we put things on the table? And if you're not making money, there's a whole internal conflict that, and this is maybe just, sorry if it sounds sexist or anything, but men have an internal conflict. If they're having mm-hmm. a trouble supporting their family, whether it's right or wrong, it's, it's real. And I just, I'm just being honest with it. Cause I have that challenge myself and had it for many years is if I'm not providing and supporting for my family i feel useless as the man of
1: our house oh absolutely it's ancestral right it's uh, it's a part of our dna it's been carried down for a long time so it's not like we're just going to get out of that despite the fact that modern ages that might not actually be the case
0: yeah and we you know we're generations of hunter gatherers of of getting out and going and, and we will talk about hunting too i know how that big that is a part of, of your life as well Okay, so you transitioned into a role that you're doing some sales. Um, what uh, what company are you now with?
1: I'm still with the same company, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's more to the story, but of course. Yeah, there always please. is. But take, anyway, take your time. Take your time. I, so I, I made a I made a jump to in order to be home. I I'd been with the same company with SMS equipment for about twelve years at that time, and I had an opportunity to move home and start working for the Mosaic Company at Colonze. I'm sure you're familiar with the location, um, and so I took it. And it was a hard move um, for reasons like personal identity being tied to a career I'd held for a long time. Um, But it was a good move. I think it was good that I did. I think it was healthy in the end. Um, But what I found really is that I went from a leadership role with up to 80 people reporting to me, uh, managing a lot of responsibility, a lot of execution of our business to looking after half a dozen people on a mine site and honestly being bored by seven o'clock in the morning every day. Um, initially, I thought that that would give me a lot of time to focus on real estate, to focus on growing our business. But I found I didn't really have that freedom still because I was on a mine site and I was stuck there. And there's only so much you can do when the expectation obviously is that you're working for your employer. So um, the the opportunity to go back to SMS in a sales capacity came up last fall in the fall of 2022. and. I went and talked to the sales manager because I'm still fairly in the know with most of the people in the company because of my time here. And yeah, we decided it was a good fit. And so I, I, I threw caution to the wind a little bit as much as I ever could, I guess, and jumped on board. Um, it did help that we had sold some property that summer and so we had a pretty good nest egg of cash. So jumping into a commission based role was less frightening. We'd built a little bit of a runway. Um, made it possible I guess really and so real estate started this journey that way too
0: nice nice well that's fantastic so it it's been a means to an ends and and you've been I just remember from our conversation that we we've had is that you've been very you're very strategic you're very um and, and some people term this next one negative but I think it's a positive you're you've been very calculated in the steps that you've been taken and very disciplined and rigorous in the process as well and for somebody to to be a hunter and to be a bow hunter and you have the patience and you have the those kind of things it just makes it makes a lot of sense it really does and I love working and having conversations with high-performing winners like like people a a high-performing winning person doesn't potentially ask well what's the cost of a coaching program what's the cost they look at can this program can this step Impact me? Can I benefit from it? Will it improve me? Will mm-hmm. it make that little bit of a minute difference to make a huge difference that I will take action from and stuff like that? And that's one of the things I would say you have uh, going away, and you you have it in spades, if you will.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I I agree. I think that if you're hung up on whatever the cost of a coaching program may be, that could accelerate your life, life, business, real estate, whatever it may be, whatever your goals are. You're 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 just looking at things from the wrong way, um, from the wrong lens, I guess. It's an investment, and I understand that people need to have the capital to do it, uh, but it's a hundred percent worthwhile. Um, you take it seriously, treat it like like it's your life, treat it like your life depends on it because it does. Um, it, it's just it's just worth it. The self development is the the key to all of this in my mind.
0: No, I 100% agree. Okay, well, I appreciate you sharing that backstory with me. Um, It gives it gives myself and, and my listeners a, a lot of kind of what makes you tick and what you're all about and the journey, the price you've paid to get to the point where you are now. And uh, so pivoting that, and I just want to set this up here, pivoting that conversation to, oh, let me get the right screen here. Pivoting that conversation into what's going on now as we can pull up on the screen. I'm sharing just some of your Facebook uh, feed here as well, Chris. And yes, yeah. your 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 Facebook you know, pardon the term, it's got an awful lot of real estate porn on it, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meaning meaning it's got beautiful houses and development of pictures and you're doing a killer job on the videos that you're creating and stuff. And we'll we'll unpack that in a bit. But I wanted to talk to you about um, kind of the, the process that you've been doing on on building new construction properties. And um, and I, you know, selfishly speaking, I have a, I have a vested interest and I want to learn from somebody who's doing the same thing as I'm doing. And I, I want to hear how you're doing about it. So there is a question there. The question is, um, give us a, a sense of the current project that you're doing that you're just wrapping up on. And what led you into doing this kind of a project? Sure.
1: So currently, yeah, we're going to be closing in a couple of weeks here on a project in Saskatoon. It's six houses, um, side by each. They're all all detached homes, two stories with basement suites. So a total of 12 rental units. Um, we're approaching it as one single property. So they're separately titled, but we have one one appraisal on it and one mortgage. So we're looking at it as a 12 unit multifamily property. And that allows us to utilize CMHC's MLI select financing. Um, So we've we've got an opportunity to go up to 95% loan to value on the property. And really it takes a brand new property to a great, it's a great cash flowing um, property that is brand new. It's a very stabilized asset. It's a very sought after rental class in Saskatoon. Uh, so vacancy is extremely low. Um, some some other tidbits on that project are we're in the path of development. We're in the path of a future transit line. And so we know that there's added value there down the road. Uh, so big picture strategy, there's more at play, but really what it is, is it allows us to go from buying a single up-down duplex or a suited single family home, depending where you are, how you, how you refer to that, and buy six of them at a time and use financing that really allows us to cash flow the properties and it also allows us to access these bigger properties because now we can maybe skip a couple steps here but we're we're financing it in a way that doesn't require me to cover the debt the property covers the debt on its own
0: yep okay well there's an awful lot to unpack there even in and of itself and do you, do you mind now i 100% um if there's something you don't want to share i am 100% just say yeah that's you know you know i use the uh, here's the term i use sometimes is um, somebody goes well? Where's the best neighborhoods to invest? And I'm investing in these areas. And I say, well, you know, a master angler and a master master fisherman never tells you his fishing hole. But uh, if you don't mind me asking, a couple things: these properties that you are buying, what, do you know what part of Saskatoon are they in?
1: Uh, so one of them's in an older neighborhood. It's in Mayfair. Okay. Um, and the other is in a brand new neighborhood in the southeast called the Meadows.
0: So you have kind of a, a new subdivision, and then you have uh, the other one would be like an infill in in essence. Is, yeah. Okay. That's correct. Okay, cool. So, so appreciate that. Now, I, I know I've identified as I've been going through the process I'm doing, and I'm not trying, this isn't about me. I've identified three different ways to kind of transact, buy, build, stuff like that. But I'm more interested in how you're kind of approaching this. So let's, let's take the, um, let's take the new subdivision first, if you will. Okay. Sure. Um, did you buy the land? Did the builder buy the land? How are you originally? How's the original build? Are you doing construction financing, completion financing? How how are you kind of transacting that property?
1: That was builder bought the dirt from the initial developer, and planned the city block um, for completed homes to be purchased. So we bought completed properties um, similar to buying a uh, similar to buying a custom built home from a home builder.
0: Okay. So you you've taken the strategy of, you know, don't get me wrong, when I make this comment here, you've taken the simplest route. And in my opinion, simple is is I'm I'm doing all different tiers of the three ways I've identified. And don't get me wrong, simple is good of just writing a contract to buy, get completion financing, and just take it over and go forward. That's like the simplest way to do it, right?
1: When you can do that and and essentially just buy cash flow and equity. Yeah. It, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's not as sexy, yeah. but there's some other caveats to that deal that make it a little bit more attractive than the typical uh, simple purchase buy and hold.
0: Okay, well, well, we'll get into it in a second here. But, but by and large, sometimes when on the deals that I'm doing and now yours can be completely different, sometimes the simplest one is obviously you're paying the highest price for the simplest yes. one. Because mm-hmm. in there's built a margin for the, the land to be sold to the builder, the builders providing the financing, the builders doing all this, you're typically paying the highest price. But my, my yeah, opinion yeah. is you don't, you have the, le- the least amount of BS and mm-hmm. if it's still, if the numbers still work, why not? Like you can buy a jug of milk down at the 7-Eleven or you can go milk a cow out on the farm, like which, <laughs> which one you want to do, right?
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, and you're hundred percent right. I mean, we paid a premium for the product and we know that uh, they're built. To a high standard. I mean, we're hardy board exteriors and turf instead of grass. We're zero scape. We've got vinyl fencing. All the stuff that you would do in an up down duplex that you never want to touch for ten years, right? And that's the way we looked at this when we bought it. And
0: you've been—it sounds like the, you've been listening to a lot of my content over the years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've maybe consumed a few of the few of the episodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it really was. It was like we we. We financed it. It was ready to put forks in the drawer when our tenants moved in. And even better than that, the builder has the property management company that we've hired and they pre-leased it for us. So it was full on day one at possession. And we've been cash flow positive since month one, day one, right from the get-go.
0: Nice. Okay. So if I can just bookend this simple term, and we're talking the new subdivision first, the builder Mm -hmm. went in, bought the land from the developer, Mm -hmm. then they... their own build team in place and they're constructing it and they know their numbers and everything and then lo and behold chris comes along and says yeah i love that product i love what you're doing do you know the bit did you know the builder at the beginning
1: yeah we had uh well we've got a relationship with the person that works at the builder yep and i spoke with them previous a couple years before uh about potentially doing something and so that's that's a good point for people too is it could take a couple of years for some of this to to manifest into something
0: And then, so they then sit there and they kind of, Chris came and said, and he he was learning some things and he learned about, you know, this MLI select multifamily residential financing, learned about kind of playing Lego and building these things out and stacking them together and said, okay, let's put an offer together. And they probably gave you a price based upon six. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And probably give you a little discount. I would imagine a little bit of a discount or something on there. And -hmm. then Chris bundles it up. Um, Go shopping out to a good mortgage broker, and then and then get some financing to buy it. Is that a, a an oversimplification?
1: Yeah, that's as streamlined as you could make it. But that is exactly how it goes. There's just a lot of details in between those things, yeah, of course.
0: Obviously, did so. Did the builder have the designs? Did the build? Did you have input mm-hmm. in the designs or any of that kind of stuff?
1: We had some opportunity. Um, we didn't really take any because we're pretty satisfied with how they'd constructed it or how they were planning to. Uh, it's a unique. It's a, it's a more unique situation because the builder actually built an entire city block fashioned this way. And so ourselves and two other, part, uh, two other parties own the whole city block. And they did it that way strategically because these builders get approached by, by institutions. And so they did it that way with a third possible exit for these properties to be sold off to an institution at some point. And so it's unique, more unique than usual in that way, is that there's actually 38 of these homes on the block where we own six. And so they kind of had a more pre-packaged opportunity than you would typically find, which it really simplified accessing. At that point, I was, so backing it up, when we started looking at it, I was hoping maybe last year to maybe do, maybe buy our first multifamily at, you know, whatever, a million dollar property seemed like, okay, that's now we're talking. And our first project, that one that we closed on, was three point three million dollars. And so it really made something like that start to seem a lot more achievable for us. And it the numbers just made sense. Yep. So despite the fact that individually the houses look like a higher priced product, um, the numbers just they just flat out worked. And what, so we what are we you paying
0: for, for those six suited houses per, if you don't mind me asking? Per house? Yep.
1: Uh, they were about five sixty. Five sixty. Okay, <laughs> that's done. 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 Now, Garages, fencing, everything.
0: Now, for for listeners across the country, that's not one point five million. <laughs> that's that's five hundred sixty thousand for a completed house, all done, landscaping done, everything done, and um, tenants in it. And that also tenants in it. And that also includes GST in there as well. That's right. Yeah. So, it's you know. From a standpoint of, you know, some from somebody from Saskatoon would be sitting and go, oh, 560,000. Oh my goodness, that's so expensive. Somebody from where I live, I just said, I, I had a, an email this morning that was sent to me on a motivated seller, a one bedroom, one bath condo in Vancouver for $580,000.
1: No kidding. Yeah. 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 It's all about perspective and it pays definitely to have your head up a little bit and be looking around uh, and not get married into your local kind of paradigm, I guess, the thought that it's expensive yeah, and miss an opportunity like this because you don't see it. So it's nice to be connected with these bigger groups and see what other people are doing around the country so you can recognize value.
0: Now, and then, so, okay, 560, what is the, what is the house and suite rent for on a gross, gross basis? Um, they are about, about 3600 3600 per up-down unit? Is that included? You-
1: structure, yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you include utilities, uh, utilities, nope. tenant pays utilities?
1: Tenant pays utilities, yeah. Are
0: they separately metered?
1: They are, uh, yep. with the exception of water. So there's the basement tenant pays a uh, water fee that's credited to the upstairs tenant.
0: Yep. So thirty six hundred times six is twenty one thousand six hundred, and if it's the same as what's fifty sixty times six, so you're paying three point three million in change, and you're getting twenty one thousand dollars in gross revenue from it.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit more than that
0: in simple terms, right?
1: For sure, we've got some parking fees and and uh, associated pet fees and stuff like this that um, we can talk about as we talk more about MLI Select financing and how that worked out. I don't want to give away all the tricks, but well, we can uh dive in a little
0: how if If you understand how to present the numbers to the bank, you'll be quite surprised and especially if your mortgage broker understands how to how the how the game is played in essence now, mm-hmm. I can agree or disagree about the way they present it as parking fees and parking pads and this that or the other. I can agree or disagree with that, but at the end of the day, if the lender is uses it as an acceptable um, income source and they're the ones providing the financing on it i will say yes thank you right let's present it that's that right. way <laughs>
1: right. that's right it's um yeah i don't want to sound like we're trying to get away with something or anything like that i think it's fair and above board um but you have to watch the context and how it's perceived because some people can take it the wrong way absolutely no
0: 100 no, percent. we're not doing anything unethical we're we're you're learning the rules of engagement and you're playing the game. And it's 100% transparent and above board. And that's the way it is. And I'll just give mm-hmm. you another example. Um, this is just one that we used to do, well, we still do. But our way our garages and garage suites typically, you only have to have like a four foot apron off the back alley to that. That was the mm-hmm. typical way we would apply for a variance to get another 12 feet, push the garages closer to the house, and we'd have a full 16 feet of parkway leading into Mm -hmm. the garage now in beautiful thing in Edmonton is they now have that's now acceptable to do you don't have to get a variance anymore it's just part of the, the part of the bylaws think about this for a second if you have a parking pad outside a covered one inside and you have four of them and four exterior. You now have eight parking pads. And the way the bank analyzes it, they will let you charge an allowance for parking for those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So, and then we usually put two parking pads on the two sides of the garage as well. So, in essence, we've created 10 parking pads that can create anywhere between five fifty dollars to $100 each, which then you, when you add all that up, it helps with the NOI. It helps with the, the loan to cost and all that kind of wonderful stuff. So, absolutely yeah maybe i shouldn't be sharing all these things chris (laughs) no you
1: should because honestly there's not a bit of this that's secret and there's not a bit of it that's not already out there published somewhere yeah um so i really don't mind sharing any of it i'm teasing it's it's out there for people to go do it i mean get after it there's lots lots of opportunity
0: yeah and just just wait until you see what maybe will happen in saskatoon if they start opening up the um, densification even more like in edmonton it's coming that same place that you described house with basement suite, I would be able to add a garage suite to that too. Where yes. that same six block that you had, I, I could get 18 units on it.
1: Right. I, I see that and I can see it probably coming here. Um, yeah. They're starting to move. They move very slowly. You know how the Saskatchewan market is, um, but they are, so they've removed some parking, um, bylaw i guess some some strictness in the parking bylaw to allow for different things and so i see that as an indicator of of starting to shift in direction that yeah. way
0: but but i'm also a, a very big believer and a lot of people hear that and go oh let's jam as much as we can into one and let's put 27 units on 150 by 150 lot and you know just because you can doesn't mean you should as a first part i you mm-hmm. always i always start with the tenant profile the tenant experience and then I work my way backwards and we even had a design where we could have put eight units on a mid block lot. And we just chose to not do it because it would just make some dungeons of some mm-hmm. rental properties. And we'd forever be fighting the units would just be smaller as opposed to having big giant 1800 square foot semis that have four bedrooms, three baths, mm-hmm. and just, you know, I would much rather err on larger units better tenant profile, and uh, fewer.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And we're, it's about optimization that way, right? And you've had rental properties long enough to know those things about your tenant profile, about what you want your ownership experience to be like, about what you want to happen when you see rents, the rental market we have right now is extremely strong, doesn't mean it always will be, so you don't want to be the first one to start to lose tenants when the market starts to ship, yeah, and so you build a property with that stuff in mind, and as you've talked about, those are all things that you'd consider so much the same, much the same on our end we We like quality units that produce more revenue that are going to stay full longer rather than trying to squeeze somebody into an oversized closet to get an extra six hundred dollars a month
0: yeah and i've I've walked into many. You know, the big thing kind of where I'm at is kind of the, the townhouse model, townhouses, mm-hmm. and you stack them on one lot and stuff. But the, some of the inner lots, the inner units are, and now you have to have one, obviously you have to have one window for the bedroom and some of them are one bedroom. Mm-hmm. And that's the only window the entire place gets, the only light that that place gets. The units that we do, we, we minimum three windows. They get, they get one in the front and then they have two bedrooms in the back. They get at least mm-hmm. three windows and that's on the interior ones. And the exterior ones, you can actually potentially add some more as well. So it's, right, right. It's, it's key for parking. It's key for, you know, having those nine foot ceilings. It's key for the light. It's key for the tenant experience.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that tenant experience is really um, what drives your revenue.
0: But you know, most people sit there and go, yeah, it looks great. And here's what I can get on rent. But if you're fighting every year with tenant turnover and you're wondering why tenants are leaving after one year and over and over and over again, and lo and behold, after two tenants, two years, you've got to put some splash and dash, some paint and stuff like that. All those kind of things add up.
1: That's right. It does. It, it hits your And depending on the management you have in place, if you're not self-managing, lease up fees are a thing. Some people are starting to charge a lot more. Um, and that can really eat into your bottom line. So it's just plan for it. Plan with the end in mind. Think about the living experience, right? We're, we're not just on spreadsheets here. We're dealing with people.
0: Yeah. You actually have to go out and you actually have to experience the property. And uh, you know what I I do Mm -hmm. and I haven't done for a (coughs) while is I actually go spend a week, uh, a couple nights in some of the places just from a standpoint of, it's funny. I spent once in one of my townhomes that I was in. And I'm sitting there going, and I should have known this, but I didn't know. I'm sitting there going, there's a light switch in the wall, but there was no light fixtures. And this is like kind of typically an 80s design is there was no ceiling lights and anything. So you needed lamps. And I was sitting there going, mm-hmm. I didn't have anything there. I had no lamp. I go, well, how much of a pain in the butt would that be if you didn't have a lamp and this kind of a things too, right? That's
1: right. Little things. And that's a good, I mean, if you can find the time to do that, that's great because you're really settle in and get to understand the experience there and find those little things that that can make all the difference in somebody looking for a new place or staying in yours
0: yep okay so back to the when we'll talk the six new builds and then we'll talk about the infills in a little bit here so you had 21,006 and you had 3.3 million and change for the the purchase bundle it up um you went to a good commercial mortgage broker do you do you mind sharing Mm -hmm. who you use that, that project went through Canada ICI. Okay. Uh,
1: the, the current project is through Green Birch Capital.
0: Yep. Yep. Many of you will know Nadeem and the Green Birch team. I was, I, he's been on my podcast. He's, they, they understand what's going on, they understand how, they do. To, how to do it. And Nadeem used to be with Canada ICI. I don't know if he, mm-hmm. if he let you know that, but um, they understand what's going on. They're fantastic as a, as a as a process. Okay. So, we're still talking about the, the first six you went in. What, what kind of terms did you get in on the mortgage? What did you end up at the end? What, did your, what was your ceiling rate for your certificate of insurance? What, what, did you, what were kind of the terms you got on that loan? So
1: initially what we required with the builder is to put a 10% deposit. So we came up with the capital for a slightly more than 10% down. We went 10% plus what we figured for closing fees. And we put together $400,000 for our capital to go buy this property. And we ended up going um, to a 95% loan to value in the end. So I think we were 167,000 in actual um, down payment equity. Then our associated fees, everything else that comes in. I mean, we had a mortgage broker fee. uh, We've got an appraisal. We've got ESA. We've got all all the commercial stuff. Um, That stuff tallied up to in the neighborhood of with legal, probably 60,000. And then the interesting thing that happened. So we ended up, we we got 10 year year fixed rate at 4.1%. But 4.1 was our ceiling rate. And the bond market last summer did some interesting things. If you're not um, aware of that, you can look back, I'm sure you can figure it out. But the commercial lending rates are tied to the Canadian mortgage bond. And it fluctuated a lot last summer. And what it did is it actually put our our rate at about 4.5, 4.6. And so what then we were required to do is actually buy down that rate to the 4.1 ceiling that our COI issued. Yep. So that cost us $110,000 and It would have cost us that in the the term of the deal anyhow. So it's not lost money, but it cost us that up front. And if you're unprepared for that or didn't have the capital in hand to deal with it, it could pose a problem for you. So that's a, a word of caution is to watch that kind of thing and maybe give yourself some buffer if you're looking at a deal like this.
0: Yeah, I tell most people to be prepared for, like, just be prepared for at least 10%, at least and yeah. if you get anything back at closing and any kind of stuff, it's just truly the cherry on top.
1: That's right. And we ended up, I mean, we closed the property. We had, I think. So we put in a bank account for this property. It's got its own bank account. It's got a corp on title, all this stuff. And in that bank account, when we took over the property, I believe we had forty, just about $40,000 in the bank for that property, which is a nice buffer. Um, it sounds like a lot of money if you're coming from the single family space, but $40,000 can get eaten up really quickly in a multifamily property. Um, we've got, uh, if we have an insurance claim, uh, the deductible for a certain classification of claim could cost that much money or more, so yeah. it's these things you want to be aware of as you get into operating a, a larger property.
0: Well, one one mortgage payment is better part of two, ten, twelve thousand dollars,
1: twelve and a half thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: So uh, you know, especially when you get the keys handed to you and there's not a tenant in place yet, and in, yeah. in thirty days you've got you've got a mortgage payment coming out that goes pretty quick.
1: That's right. Yeah, it starts to starts to disappear pretty fast.
0: Okay, so there was an all, and that's one of the things I tell people in this world of, of doing these kind of things is um, a lot of people, single family, residential, you're dealing in lots of certainties. Like, for example, mm-hmm. you know your price that you're buying, you write a contract. When you go get your mortgage qualification, you know, your, you know the interest rate, you know the term, you know your payment. You have a lot mm-hmm. of certainty in that. In this realm, you're dealing in a lot of um, variances and you're dealing in a lot of um, um, tolerances and ranges like for example you go and you apply for this and you get this thing done but when you do lock in your interest rate oh lo and behold it was significantly higher so there's a little a little bit of risk there right mm-hmm. but even at 4.5 percent locked in interest rate that's ridiculously good compared to somebody who's paying 5.6 and change and stuff like that now
1: uh, absolutely yeah and it was yeah that one was 4.1 and we locked it for 10 years right Now, I mean, should the market drop, the the interest rate market drop substantially, we could bear the cost of breaking that mortgage and redoing it at a lower rate. It might be beneficial on a multiple seven-figure mortgage. Or we just know that we're operating safely for 10 years and take our cash flow and enjoy the ride.
0: Okay, awesome. So 50-year amortization, uh, Mm -hmm. 4.1 locked in. It cost you a little bit extra down payment capital in order to get that. What was your what's your best estimation on these the the new the new subdivision six units that you had to buy? What was your best estimation of how much capital you had to put into it on a three point four million dollar acquisition?
1: The actual acquisition cost was three hundred and fifty thousand for a a a good round number.
0: Right, so it's just right around that ten percent. And that included fees, that included broker fees and environmentals.
1: That's everything but the cash in the bank left over that we had to operate with.
0: Okay. So it's 350. Okay. So including the cash in the bank, it was like 390, give or take, right? Yep. Okay. Very good. So that's, it's pretty much in line exactly with what, what I'm seeing. Um, Mm -hmm. However, there are opportunities if you don't have to buy down the rate and you can get a good rate and stuff like that. You potentially at closing... If you didn't have to put that one hundred and ten thousand dollars extra down to buy the rate, you would have got a check back at closing for one hundred and ten thousand bucks. Right.
1: yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Well, we got a check back for the forty that we put into the bank. It was our money; it was held in trust, but it got redistributed to us from the lawyer, obviously. Yeah. But that one hundred and ten would have been there with that, so we would have actually had the opportunity if we hadn't had to buy the rate down to close this property for two hundred fifty thousand dollars.
0: Nice, love it. Okay, so these places. If I've heard correct of the story, have closed, and they're they're mm-hmm. they're closed, tenants are in there, and everything like that.
1: yeah, we closed on September first. They were fully tenanted at that time, and yeah, it's been an enjoyable experience so far
0: oh how did you get how did you get tenants on and upon closing did the the builder start leasing it up? And they did it
1: up? yeah, the builder has their own management company, they've got their own portfolio that they manage, and so they offered a very favorable rate to um, to look after these properties for each of the investors involved.
0: And I would imagine they maybe gave you a little bit of a later closing time, too, to kind of time the full full lease up done at the same time, too.
1: Yeah, that's right. It, it paid to have that in place as far as, especially being the first deal, it made it really, really simplistic to work through the process when they're vested in the other end of the project as well.
0: Okay. And based upon your best estimation... Um, or if you have the number to the penny, I'd love to hear that too. What is the what are the properties cash flow on a ballpark?
1: Well, we just did our first quarterly distribution. Uh, do you want monthly or yearly numbers? Uh, well, why don't we start monthly and go from there? <laughs> so they're cash flowing about thirty-two, thirty-three hundred bucks $3, a
0: month for for all the six for the twelve yeah. units six. Okay.
1: Yeah, for the total property. Yeah.
0: And then obviously, did that hold for since so about thirty-three hundred per month.
1: That's what we've averaged for four months yeah. since September to December.
0: Just shy. And and that's r- real cash flow. Like r-
1: real cash flow. We've got reserves built in. We've got vacancy reserve, maintenance reserve, or capex really is what we're reserving for. Yep. Yeah. Um, and our our expenses
0: paid. Nice. Yeah. And those are those numbers are falling in line pretty close to what are, some of the things are, six unit ones that we're doing. Are in between fourteen and eighteen hundred per six type of thing, so right. they're pretty yeah. much pretty much in line. That's on our pro forma. Like I, our first closing happens in March, and then we have four closings happen between March and July, and those are my numbers. But here's the beautiful thing: is as I'm doing the research, the rents have gone up since since that. Of have you experienced the same thing in Saskatoon?
1: That's right. And when we bought these two, what we performed, uh, um, we beat our rents by uh, anywhere from one to two hundred dollars a month in the units that we could do that in. And so they've, and they've continued to go up since then. When we have leases come up for renewal, we're actually going to have an opportunity to increase rents in some units again by another couple hundred dollars.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's think about this for a second. So let's say it was 200 per six on next increase, mm-hmm. right? 200 times six is 12, 1200 mm-hmm. times 12 is fourteen four divided by let's say it's just a five cap, right? As an example. Yeah. There's $288,000 of net worth of, of building evaluate. Now, obviously there might be some costs that have gone up and blah, 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 but of there's course, a solid yeah. $250,000 evaluation increase there. That's right. Did you get, yeah, the, it's awesome. when, when you got your appraisals done up front, did the appraised values come in under your purchase cost as well?
1: No, they came in slightly over. Okay. Uh, so we bought some equity too. Yep. Uh, they appraised at 3.5 million for that property. And so we had about a hundred to the dollar, it was about 170,000 in equity based on the appraisal at that time. And so now, yeah, with some rental increases and stuff like that, if we reappraise, I suspect we'll have actually probably three or 400,000 in equity somewhere in that range.
0: Yeah. So, so it's funny. I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day and they're saying these new builds and this infills and that stuff, the math just doesn't make sense. And I was just about to sit there and go, I was about to really get into it. And I said, you know, my comment was, yeah, you know what? You're right for you. It won't make <laughs> sense. So, so does the math make sense for you, Chris on these properties? The
1: math makes sense for me. Yes, it does. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not the classic value add play. That's been popularized for so long, I'm really not surprised to see Russell Westcott interested in it, knowing what your previous three, two, one approach and sweeted single family houses was about. It's, it's that on steroids. It's just it's maximizing that opportunity in my mind. And so when you can go buy an almost 10% cash on cash return as we're cash flowing today, and in a property that's in a good neighborhood that's gonna increase in value over time, I, I just don't know why you wouldn't do it.
0: Yeah. And and to be honest, I've just pivoted my three, two, one, free program instead of it's now 18 at a time, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like buy that's let's right. buy three of these projects. And in 15, 10 years from now, sell two, keep one. And if you have one six-unit property, or in your case, one 12-unit property, um, all things being equal, and let's say your mortgage mm-hmm. payment went away, um, your cash flow would go up by $12,000 oh, a month. It right? would, yeah. Right? If, it just, if yep. the mortgage was gone and paid for and stuff like that, that's the simplest way to just say it. that mortgage payment it, is gone.
1: That's right. This would turn into 15000 bucks a
0: month. A, a $15,000 a month pension plan, right? That's right. Yeah. So so yeah, I'm 100% all over this. And I do have that conversation with people Is some people sit there and go, well, well, let's just go buy something old and refurbish it and do stuff like that. And I said, you know what? There's no right or wrong answer. Um, what I look at it from is, is the following, is at the end of the day, what you want is a good performing cash flow asset. That you have little of your own capital into it. It attracts good tenants and it's able to perform cash flow for the next seven to 10 years. Okay. You can, mm-hmm. there's two ways you can go about doing that. You can go buy an old apartment building and go through the entire process for a year, two years, kicking people out, cash for keys renovation HE double hockey sticks and go through that entire process to then refinance it. And you have to finance it twice and three times. And you have to pay so much in fees to eventually two years later, you've got a normalized performing asset that will go forward. Okay. Or you could just design it in advance and do all that work in advance. And the day you take possession of it, it is normalized. It's got the tenants Mm -hmm. in the place. It's got amazing finance and it's cash flow from day one. Like which one would you want to do? I'm okay with either.
1: That's right. And I, I'm the same way. There's there's a lot of ways you can invest in real estate. There's no wrong way, um, pending it's all legal. Uh, there's no wrong way to do it. And this is my chosen path. And it fits my life and what we want real estate to do for our life. And I think that's important that people just take stock of that. So for us, this is great. It, it provides the cash flow that we want. It's a minimal impact once it's acquired. And we just get to enjoy nice brand new property and, and typically a higher tenant profile too that has caused us less headache.
0: Yeah, and, and it's, uh, it's interesting on black and white. I was just analyzing some numbers on some of my newer po- properties, like not these new multiplex that we're doing, some suited hoses, some newer stuff. And I had to actually look at the number twice because it didn't make sense at first. It was the, I looked at it, my maintenance bill on um, 126, 12 units. My maintenance bill on, on 12 of them was zero. And I said, I go, that can't mm-hmm. be for the entire year. And I said, that can't be right. I go, this, we've got to have spent something. And the manager said, no, we, we spent nothing. I go, okay. And we had zero vacancy for an entire year.
1: That's right. Right.
0: Yeah. On one of my older properties, one month, I would have six to $8,000 of maintenance and things and vacancies in one month. They could say 10, 10 grand per property is not, not unheard of.
1: That's right. And that's actually, yeah, that's what I mentioned earlier that we're reserving for maintenance is really that we're reserving for capital expenditures because we know in 10 years time, we're going to have some furnaces and stuff that we may need to replace. So we need to be ready then. But what we're actually expecting to spend in maintenance is near zero. We we do have some money set aside in the event there's non-tenant caused issues, but most of it's warrantable.
0: Yep. Yeah, Yeah. And new home warranty, and so what I tell people is my typical thing I'm dealing with partners is i I look to potentially sell between seven and ten years and pass all that maintenance onto to the next owners of that shop right. well. so yeah absolutely. you learn a few things over the time and and uh, I appreciate you sharing all that as well, okay, so that was the the new subdivision, the infill what you're doing has has it been kind of rinse and repeat, or what's been something different with the the infill project
1: um it's different in that. The builder didn't plan to sell it the way we're buying it. They planned to take these houses to the single family market and sell them one by one. Um, the realtor got a hold of it, who understood this opportunity and sold it to the builder, kind of preemptive to us picking it up. So when we got involved, there had been some conversation at that level already. And so it was building trust with the realtor that we could actually pull through and close, um, despite a longer timeline with CMHC than just going to say the bank downtown and getting a mortgage to buy the house is going to take longer. So they needed to be comfortable with our ability to actually pull it off, which we, we can, and we've proven that to them. Um, otherwise, the difference is being it's more like it's, it's not quite as ready as, as, uh, as turnkey as the first project was. So there's some things like we need to put appliances in it. We need to put window coverings on. Uh, we're going to have to landscape the properties in the spring, and they're not going to be tenanted on our, our acquisition of them. Sorry. And so there's a little bit more work involved that way. Now we also were able to get um significantly lower pricing than our first project. That has some to do with the type of build and the area of town that they're in. So we're paying two and a half million for these properties. Um, but they're nearly renting for the the, the rent difference is not anywhere near the difference that the price difference is. Right. And so we're gonna substantially improve our cash flow on those properties, I believe. Uh, yeah. We're just starting leasing right now.
0: Nice. Well, I hope they turn out very well for you. And, and, and you're doing a perfect progression as you kind of started at the back end and you've, you're just kind of working your way back the chain, if you will, to eventually get that. And then to the next one, you, you, you might find a builder to go and buy the land. You then do the construction financing, completion mm-hmm. financing for them. And then the next out of that is Chris and your wife's Rebecca, is it correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah. You and Rebecca are going to go buy the dirt and then provide it's very possible. buy the dirt, sell the dirt to yourself. And mm-hmm. then you then have the construction financing and completion financing all there. And you just get a, a construction contract with the builder. That's,
1: That's right. Yeah. We, I, that idea hit my head uh, about a year ago, about the same time we were working through these. The first set I said, well, wouldn't it be cool if there was another set that was just ready to buy because these just work so well. That's when we found the second set. They just happened to be there. Yep. And then about that time I started realizing there's some some advantage if you understand the process and are okay with the risk to doing the build process yourself. Yep. And so we're definitely exploring that for for future opportunity.
0: Yeah. And I I am I'm not a hundred percent convinced myself if I want to go the road of hiring construction manager and getting into the construction business. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to The construction team and their capacity and stuff like that that's right Um, i i I like to let them be in their own lane and by all means pay them what they what they ask for because they they earned every dollar of it
1: well that's right and we talked about our our um new area project being a premium price point and really what that premium price point did was defer the risk onto the builder you know, we we paid a premium for them to shoulder all the risk. And in the process, I know they had to move utility lines and different things like this that cost them hundreds of thousands oh. of dollars. And for a city block, mind you, not just for yeah. our six houses, but can you stomach that? Can you shoulder that burden as a developer? That's something I think that is worth considering before you venture into starting your own construction company. And I look at it more like partnering with a good GC, a good builder who may Maybe you can find a building partner who wants equity in your deal. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can find somebody who's got a reasonable GC fee. Whatever it is, right? There's there's so many different ways to approach it.
0: Or or even if um if your builders are well funded too. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm sh- blown away how unbelievably powerful it is to have a well funded builder to be able to shoulder a lot of this kind of stuff too, and not just a fly by nighter that does one or two deals a year. They they do thirty or forty of them a year. Type of thing.
1: That's right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and you will never look at a property again the same way. When you go take a look at your your place and you sit there back there, oh look, there's a there's a telephone pole in the middle of my uh, kind of on the middle <laughs> on the back lane. Uh, that right there to me is eighty thousand dollars to move that.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> lessons learned, right?
0: Yeah, you sit there and you go, okay, where are the utility, where are the services coming in from? Where's the power pole? Power poles on the other side of the lane. Okay awesome that's good
1: <laughs> yeah perfect
0: <laughs> um, and that's
1: right you, you learn along the way right you never get it 100 percent on the first try there's things that you learn and you alluded to that like learning in steps i get to learn a little bit more each time we take one of these on
0: yep nice so with that being said um what's next for you my friend what is the next uh what's the next kind of like you're you're at a point right now it sounds like you're just at the the finish line of of mm-hmm. of getting um lease up on the next project and you're doing that so i would imagine you're you're getting a little itchy and you're ready for something next what's what's the next what's the next hurdle for you
1: uh similar um we're looking at some more basically of the same opportunities in town here in other areas of town um we've got a meeting next week with another builder that's got some uh some property that they're planning to build anyway that will suit the model and so we might be able to take those on depending on we can work with the builder and we can come to terms on pricing and that sort of thing. Uh, There may be opportunity to take our first project and turn it into a bigger project. Um, There's only so much I can say about that right now, but it's in the works. And then looking at, you know, really what else comes our way as far as opportunity to take this model further, whether it's partnering with somebody to do some of the infill stuff, similar to what you're doing, where we can get a little more customized on a, a 50 by 150 or a 70 by 110 type of a lot in a mature area or whether we can find more new development new area type of property to acquire
0: yeah well uh, i think the answer is yes but (laughs) yeah but but anyways (laughs) it it, it is i was about to just uh give you a big compliment is sometimes you know my question was a bad question is what's next, what's new. And you answered it perfectly and said, yeah, we're just going to do more of what's working. Why would we want to reinvent the wheel and have to do what we're doing is working very well. And how many, how many properties do you want for less than 10% down payment that are getting a 10% cash on cash return? How many do you want of them? All of them (laughs) as many as you can get. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, I tell you, I've just been fully engaged in our conversation, and I've been messing up here, Chris. I'm just like sleeping at the switch. You're just bringing the fire here today, my brother, <laughs> and uh, oh. it's bringing the bombs like crazy. Like, um, and don't get me wrong, it was 100 percent on me for not hitting the right button here, because I'm just I get so excited about these conversations, and I love. Yeah, no,
1: that's absolutely uh, I fun. love.
0: Hearing good people winning, I I really do. And and you you and Rebecca, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting your lovely wife yet. But I, from all in indications, you guys are she is amazing, and you guys are good people. So
1: I appreciate that, and and likewise.
0: Um, I did want to touch on, and you got a you got a moment. You're still good for for a little more. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Nice. Yeah. Hundred percent.
0: I did want to touch on your hunting. um mm-hmm you know, in some cases hunting is very in vogue at the moment, but also it's very polarizing all at the other, it at the other be. end. Absolutely. It can be at the other end is, you know, you get everything from Bambi killer to, to, um, mm-hmm. to Neanderthal to whatever type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking before we started hunting is a big part of your life. What, how does that fit into everything you're kind of go, got going on?
1: It, it is. And it has been. It's something I learned from my granddad when I was very young, when I was less than five years old, I started tagging along with him. So I learned a lot about nature, about the way the natural world works and about how we fit in. And really hunting for me is an escape. It's, it's a place where I go to nature for something that's quiet, for time to escape from the busyness of life and, and sort of reconnect. And it's also a way to challenge myself. I hunt primarily with a bow and arrow. I hunt um, on foot a lot uh, from a tree stand and stuff sometimes where it demands, but well, primarily in the mountains, in the in Northern Saskatchewan, when we're not out west, um, hunting elk, hunting moose, hunting mule deer, hunting white tails with a bow and arrow. And it's, uh, it's a mentally challenging endeavor. It requires a lot of discipline. And I guess it's just sort of in that way, it's strangely parallel to the rest of my life because those things, those, those are transferable things in a lot of different areas.
0: Yeah. And I, and I know I'm about to say that you're probably very familiar with Cameron Haynes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And, um, and some of those people that do that hunting, like Cameron Haynes is one of the most hardcore people. He, he and David Goggins can have a, a competition of who's the most crazy hardcore person at the same time, but it really comes down to, there's a firm belief that I have is how you do something is how you do everything you choose to do. Okay. I added the you choose to do because Most people hear that and they think they have to do everything. No, you don't. It's Mm -hmm. what, how you do something is how you do everything that you choose to do. And by choosing to do something difficult, it um, reconnects to a lot of the other things you're doing all at the same time. And you're a big believer in personal development. How does all that kind of fit into this conversation of real estate we're talking about? I guess
1: really when you boil it down, it, it, it comes back to persistence and it comes back to the will, your determination, and having a goal that you actually desire to achieve. So real estate's great. Um, I think if you pursue real estate just because you think it's an easy button to change your life, you're probably going to have a lot of tough times. Um, if you pursue real estate because you actually enjoy it, but you also appreciate what it can do for your life if done properly, and you've got a goal that it fits into. if real estate, Real estate isn't the goal for me real estate is a tool to achieve the goal and it changes how i look at things
0: what is the goal for you
1: the goal for me is 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 in in part it's we'll use the buzzwords we'll use some generational wealth i want to have an ability to hand things down to my kids when i leave but really the goal for me is a continual pursuit of growth for myself it's newer newer it's better me all the time um every day and every way I'm getting better and better that that quote is is really it so I guess it's a perpetual expansion of myself and what I'm capable of is a big piece of it but along the way I don't want to get to where life rules me I guess I want to be able to be in control of my life and control of my time to a degree and I want to be in pursuit of something that I feel is worthwhile for me and not just for somebody else
0: nice nice well that's very very brilliant and I I know you're going to uh, crush it. Like everything else you've put your mind to, you have just done it. And I'm also seeing a lot of, um, in you about giving back and helping and support others and sharing your journey, just no different than what we're doing right now, but also Mm -hmm. coming from a standpoint of paying it forward to the next generation. Is that um, something that you're doing like on your social media and the posts you're doing? Is that kind of what you're doing there?
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously it's changed from me posting twice a year when I get out hunting in the fall <laughs> to posting a few times a week about this kind of stuff. So it sure, it sure looks different for people who know me or have known me, I guess, knew the old me. Um, but yeah, it is definitely a part of something that I want to do. And and a lot of it, a lot of my, we'll, we'll say so far success in real estate, what we've been able to do is because of the growth I've had as a person, and because of my willingness to listen to guys like Russell and and a few others in the industry who've helped me understand what's possible. Um, It was still up to me to develop myself, to go and take action and do that stuff. And so I'd like to pay it forward, like you say, and help people do that. Um, I've started doing a little bit of coaching on my own in the personal development space and in in light of that and in light of my experiences and what I share, um, people who are into real estate are attracted to me. And so a lot of it has to do with real estate. So I'm willing to share what I know in real estate. I call that the freebie, and the the work on you is is the not freebie. But that's that's part of what I'm doing. I am building a bit of a coaching program in the personal development space. That way, a group coaching program um, designed around that, uh, with a a component of real estate, I suppose, along with it.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, congratulations. I wish you all the all the best on the on the going forward with that and. Are you are you having a hard time and I'm I'm just asked this question because this is something that I had a hard time with and I'm projecting me onto you for a second, but did you have a hard time making that um shift into Chris posting twice two hunting pictures a year to Chris posting twice a week and the whole yes. imposter syndrome <laughs> and all that kind of BS?
1: I'm I'm still having trouble with it. And to be fair, even 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 articulating the the coaching platform and that business and and that um is still a challenge and that's been six months or more in the making at this point. And so that's what I talk about when I talk about being able to be willing to grow personally, it's a continual thing for everyone. And I know that, and we're all at a different place, but it, it's not easy. And yeah, getting, getting online and and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable, um, seeing what, and, you know, at some point you had your first podcast yeah. and, and biting the bullet and doing it is just, where it starts
0: yeah chris is sitting there going yeah get me get me in back country mountain territory and quartering <laughs> yes, yes. a quartering an elk and flipping them over my shoulders and packing him out that's nothing compared to shooting a bloody video for 30 seconds that's,
1: that's <laughs> right yeah i can carry a hundred pound backpack through the mountains for four miles and and i'm there all day but i'm okay with it but yeah a 90 second reel on instagram is frightening as hell
0: yeah <laughs> so here's what i'm trying to tell you gang is if you're struggling with that it's it's totally normal it truly is and, and i I've often joked with people is the imposter syndrome is real. Like, to be honest, if you don't have imposter syndrome, you are an imposter is my personal opinion. Um, it like is that. real at whatever level you're going to, it will be there. And the thing is that just sometimes you just have to lean into it and just do it anyways and get through it. And and if it just helped one person, like if it just helps one person, our conversation today may just help Um, one person in Sudbury, Ontario, to take the next step to maybe look at something and maybe they own a piece of property. Maybe they're going to go to down to the city hall and they're going to maybe look and see, maybe they can put a garage suite on it and they're just going to change their life because of just maybe one thing that we said today.
1: Absolutely. I love that Russell and I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's what it is. And that's what drove me to, to want to do it. I know, like I said, it's, it's been incremental, but real estate has changed my life because I've changed it. And I just—I know other people can do the same. They don't have to just—they don't have to do something just because it's the way they were told it should be done.
0: Yeah. Now I'd be remiss to—and I'm going to ask this before I—I I ask you a couple final questions. But if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best place to get a hold of uh, Chris?
1: Probably through Facebook or Instagram. Facebook. You mentioned Chris Smith. You might have trouble finding me, but I am friends with Russell, so you can look there um otherwise instagram it's it is uh mr underscore christopher smith is my handle there and i'm fairly active on both of those accounts i am on linkedin as well but it has a lot more of my sales career activity than this type of material so i would say facebook or instagram
0: okay perfect perfect no no website yet
1: Not for that. No, my wife and I have uh, Everbloom Enterprises is our our real estate business, and we do have a website for that. You won't find a lot there right now other than some booking links to a short-term rental that we have and a little bit of of a landing page, I guess. And and
0: you guys were doing some events out in Saskatoon there, kind of, you know, monthly or Mm -hmm. every second month. Are you still putting some live meetups together?
1: We are. Yeah, we were going to host one this month and we decided that in conjunction with the property closing and some other busy work that we put it off till probably mid February. But we do host uh, a real estate meetup in town here. There's two. There's Reegs, which Travis hosts yep. or manages and and ours. And so we kind of offer a, both ends of the spectrum as far as networking and education goes. So. I encourage anyone in the area to reach out to us or to the Reeks group to find out when the latest events in town are.
0: Awesome. Well, um, I'll tell you, if I'm ever making my way out to go see mom and dad again, maybe we'll coordinate some calendars and maybe yeah, yeah, you know, throw me on a stage. And let me, you know, I always look like everywhere I go to travel, I always like to potentially get on stage because, you know, my accountant says that's good for right off
1: so (laughs) that's that's right absolutely you you let me know and we'll make sure it
0: happens right on right on well okay now the final question i'm going to ask it and you know you listen to the podcast a lot so you kind of know what's what's coming but before i do ask it um i just wanted to offer something to you i wanted and i have offered this earlier but i just wanted to just reiterate is i um, am thoroughly inspired thoroughly impressed of who you are showing up on a day-to-day basis. From our first conversation to how you're showing up here today um, has been nothing short of complete transformation. Now, I know when we first talked, all that was inside of you already. I know it was inside of you, but what has happened over the course of the last two years is what was been an inside is now coming out. And I'm telling you, it's as inspiring as heck, my brother. So keep going.
1: That's, That's really something, Russell. I truly appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And you know, it comes from the heart cause that's us people from Saskatchewan don't have time to bullshit. So it's,
1: <laughs> that's right. Even if we did, we wouldn't bother.
0: That's right. So, um, and it's often, I, I joke around, I sit there and go, I remember a story when I was going back home and mom and dad, and we are out at the golf course and all the guys are all sitting around there at the golf course and just a simple way of life. And they're sitting there and I look down the row and there's like eight, eight guys sitting there and nobody's talking. Everybody's having their beer and just after post round and I say, geez, I go, there's not a lot, of, you know, not, not much conversation going on here. And one guy looks over and he goes, yeah. And if the wind wasn't blowing, we'd only have half the things to talk about too. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you just, uh, I go home to Saskatchewan just to be, just to just, just be a person again. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's a, it's a humble place. Like we talked about near the
0: start. Yep. All right. Um, Last question. If somebody was sitting here and they've been watching this and, you know, an hour and 10, 15 minutes in of this, and they're maybe feeling a little bit stuck, right? They're just not sure what's the next step for them. What advice would you, over a coffee, would you give that person to help them get unstuck and take the next step for them?
1: Well, the first first step would be getting on that coffee with somebody like yourself or myself or another mentor that they see fit. But um, post that, I would suggest that maybe some of the stuff that's making them stuck is actually a reflection of their own internal beliefs, um, our environments, a reflection of ourselves. And if your environment's not conducive to the things that you want, you really start to need to look at yourself. And when you do that, you start to change your attitude. You'll find that your environment changes and the opportunities change and things start to unfold before you. And so as hard as that is for a lot of people to hear is if you're feeling stuck, you really got to start to look inward.
0: Hmm, interesting. is. So if I paraphrase what you said, first of all, get yourself with somebody that can have the conversation with, mm-hmm. look internal, and then from mm-hmm. the internal, something external to help you get unstuck will come.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I would say that's a good summary. And chances are, you're going to need some help to remove the blinders to be able to see those things. I know I did.
0: Wow. Well, wow. well done. Well, my friend, um, are you, one of the things I like doing on my podcast is I like, um, following up with people and following up with people that I believe are absolutely thoroughbred rising stars that are going to continue to just keep crushing it. Um, I think your, your stock, if you will, has just started rising and there is so much more upside for you. And do you mind if we follow up on maybe in a year or so and love to hear the next progression of what you're doing?
1: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to. I think it'd be a good gut check for me to listen to this in a year. And take it as a reflection point.
0: Well, let's keep that as some accountability and some positive pressure for you that in a year, there better be, there better be a new story to tell.
1: That's right. Exactly. And I think, you know, if I'm the stock, does that make, does that make Becky the jockey?
0: Well, maybe. Yep.
1: I don't, I don't know. I guess we'll find out.
0: Well, you're, let's take stock as a maybe the stock market is rising. She's nope, the she's the, bro- she's the stock broker and she's she's buying in, right? She's sitting <laughs> yeah. there going, let's make sure the operations is going really well here and, and making sure you're pointed in the right direction to, to just keep going, right?
1: Yeah, maybe so.
0: Right on. Okay, Chris, uh, appreciate your time grateful for this. And gang, wherever you've listened to this or whatever platform you're on, if you found some inspiration or something that just really resonated with you, share it with somebody else. Okay. Bye for now, everybody. So gang, what did you think of that episode? Did you, uh, were you as fired up as I was? <laughs> oh, maybe it was just me. Maybe I was just geeking out on this and I just thoroughly had an amazing time having this conversation with Chris. It was wonderful catching up with somebody in the industry that's m- moving and shaking at lightning speed. And, you know, I'm just trying to draft off of some of the stuff he was doing, but it was wonderful that we had this really cool conversation. There were some really cool collaborations that were coming from that. Now, One of the things I'm going to let you know, um, in this, we talked an awful lot about new construction. We talked about development. We talked about commercial properties. We talked about umbrellas over top of things. Um, I have to very mindfully be aware that sometimes this is like years, like literally a year and a half in the works of this, of all this kind of putting together, connecting with the professionals, building out the processes, taking the action, buying the properties, making the mistakes, doing all the work to really get it to a point where we can just have this conversation. I have to also be mindful that this isn't the case for everybody. Um, This can be very daunting. It can be, you know, risk. If you don't know what you're doing with what Chris and I were talking about, if you don't know what you're doing where you're not supported, this is extremely risky. It truly is. However, if you elaborate, if you collaborate is the better word, collaborate or work alongside somebody who has broken trail, who has learned this, who has um, the track record to be able to do some proven results for you, uh, with you, alongside you, That is where you can shortcut the learning curve and you can de-risk the situation. I believe over the past year and a half with myself and our team, we have truly de-risked this type of a process. And if you are interested in learning more, um, two things are going to happen. Um, number one is I'm going to be sharing more on my podcast. It's funny, this past um, last couple days, I identified like a seven part series that I'm going to be recording, producing, putting out on YouTube, putting out on the podcast. So if you're interested in just, you know, looking over my shoulder and, and, and listening in and learning, maybe you're not ready to pull the trigger or maybe you don't qualify at the moment. Um, you'll get a tremendous amount of information from the resources that I'm pulling together. But I'll tell you what, if you are interested in jumping into one of these opportunities, don't go alone. You need the help. You need the support. You need the guidance of somebody who has broken trail ahead of you. And consider me your Sherpa. I have broken the trail on this in my chosen marketplace. Uh, Myself, our team have really leaned into this opportunity. And if you are interested and you think this is the direction you would like to go, by all means, reach out. I'd love to have a conversation with you to see if you qualify, to see if this is the next step that's right for you and if there's an opportunity that you'd like to dive into i'd love to be able to share an opportunity or two with you to help shortcut your learning curve and most importantly de-risk this situation for you because i see an awful lot of people talking about these things i see an awful lot of people wanting to do this i even see a few people doing it and in my my opinion a lot of people are going to be making some big giant mistakes because they're just running in willy-nilly and they heard a podcast or saw a youtube video and it it all sounds great on the surface until you get right into the nitty-gritty detail there are some great risks and the key thing is to collaborate and partner with somebody who has understood the process, who's gone before you, and can help point you in the right direction. So gang, if that is something you'd like to dive into, please let me know. You can always reach out to me at hello at russellwescott.com. I can walk you through the process and see if it works for you. Okay gang, with all that being said, remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired encouraged, and come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott podcast.
1: Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.